Are you looking for the perfect bracelet for a loved one? Would your man be interested in a personalized keyring from his children? Are you looking for the best priced jewelry, whether it be a necklace, ring, earrings, bangle, or even more? Look no further than Crafted Arts. Crafted Arts is a local business based in Barry within the Vale of Morgan, and they have a range of all the perfect items you need. If it's for the perfect gift for an anniversary, or maybe it's for someone's birthday, maybe something for Christmas, or you wanted to give someone that perfect gift that will last a long time, Crafted Arts is the business for you. If you want to know more or see what they have in stock, then you can visit them locally at 29 High Street, Barry, Villag Morgan, CF627EB. Or you can go onto their website at www.craftedarts.co.uk. You can even email them at info at craftedarts.co.uk or maybe just give them a call at 07789942248. Trust me, it's worth it for the perfect gift. The best thing about Creative Space is that we don't just want to encourage people in being creative in TV, film, or even theater. We also want you to be creative in a variety of other things as well. So do you want to have experience in making jewelry? Do you want to pick up a hobby, but do not know what to take or where to start, then look no further than the Veil Jewelry Workshops. Veil Jewelry Workshops provides the best experience in teaching you how to make the best sterling silver jewelry. They will help you make a range of silverware, including rings, bracelets, and many more pieces. You will learn the basic silversmith skills, such as soldering, texturing, shaping, and lots more. Not only do the workshops provide the experience for adults, it also provides the best experience and fun for children as well. So if you want to learn on how to make sterling silver jewelry, and if you're very interested, go onto their website at www.veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or get in touch with them via email at info at veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or even phone them at 077-89-794248 Hello everyone and welcome back to Creative Space Podcast. I am your host, Trilly Reese Deans, and Pippa is taking over this one. Yes, she is. She is going to be telling me the basis, the structure, basically everything that you need to know about Dungeons and Dragons and why it's a form of theatre. Why is it a, a, a theatre, a part of it as well? The whole world creating, the character development, etc., etc. And no, it's not because we're releasing this podcast because of Stranger Things or because of the, the latest news on a new Dungeons and Dragons film. It's purely a coincidence. This was recorded ages ago, but without further ado, I'm going to leave Pippa to it. It's me and her talking about Dungeons and Dragons on Creative Space Podcast. Oh, hello and welcome to Creative Space. Today, I take the reins. <laughs> Don't milk it. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about a different form of theatre. One that was recently brought to light, uh, which I never considered before, and that's Dungeons and Dragons. So, here's the thing. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what is literally going to be brought upon me this 
<laughs> so, you, so for those who are listening here, she's got the the board. She's basically um, Pippa's going to give me the rundown of what to do, how to do it, and and the thing is about Dungeons and Dragons. You said this uh, last time, I think, that Dungeons and Dragons is a form of theatre because it has your heroes, it has your villains, it has your stories, and you are and you make the stories. You basically go on the story, uh, this journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I, I want to ask before, where does the dice come in? Because all I hear when it comes to Dungeons & Dragons is that you roll a dice and then you pick something from the book. So go for it. Educate me. So basically, it is just one huge, giant, improv, uh, theatre-based story. Sometimes... Um, you can have a campaign from a book. You can you can buy books which have a set storyline to them. Um, Curse of Strahd for one, uh, Descent into Avernus. Um, th- recently there was a Strixhaven one, which is all about magical university. Uh, which, yeah, we'll 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 just leave that there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so where the dice come in is basically you have to, if you want to go and do something, sometimes you have to roll a dice for it. And then this is where the um, improv comes in. Because sometimes if I say I want to, um, you're holding a book that I really want. So I have to roll the dice for it. And if I get a 20, that's considered a critical hit. So I would successfully be able to take the book from you. Um, Or I can roll a natural one, to which point I fall flat on my face and everyone points and laughs. You know, it's that kind of... um, But then if I were to roll something in between, then we may have to both of us roll the dice to contest which person gets to keep the book. If you roll higher than I do, then you successfully manage to pull the book away from me. If I win, I get to pull the yeah, book away from versa, you. Vice versa, kind of thing. Yeah. So where, where, where does it come from then? Where does Dungeons & Dragons come from? Where do they originate? So, I'm not really well versed in, in, in that. I just like to play the game. Oh my God. <laughs> you like to play the game? I like, to play the, I like to play the game. Come but, on. Um, but I know that it's predominantly done by uh, Wizards of the Coast, they create, uh, as far as I'm aware, just FYI to all of those out there, as far as I'm aware, Wizards of the Coast are the ones who um, have created a lot of the law books and compendiums. Um, so you've got your uh, player's handbook, you've got the, dun- the Dungeon Master's uh, player book, playbook. Um, a Dungeon Master is the one who runs the game. They're the ones who write the story and um, they help us to guide ourselves towards the right goal. Um, let's just make sure that I'm... Uh... So before you, uh, as you're doing it, uh, looking into the basics and backgrounds of Dungeons & Dragons, the only way I was familiar with Dungeons & Dragons was going back when I was six or seven years old and do you remember the tv show recess on disney hell yeah there was uh, obviously when tj went he had a broken arm and mm-hmm. or broken collarbone whatever the story was and he had to go to room 101 or something like that where there was all the 
uh, the, the Pale Kids or something where they just never go out and then they play Dungeons and Dragons and, mm. and that's how I was familiar with it and obviously there was the film with Jeremy Irons which uh, you've, you've been conflicted of oh. um, there was that but that's the only time I've ever been affiliated or I have any knowledge mm. of Dungeons and Dragons whether it be from Recess where they talked about the board game and then obviously the, the film itself yeah. so uh, you said you uh, you got it up or something. Um, so I just tapped into Google uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and then there was a delightful little link that says, "What is D and D?" The core of D and D is storytelling. You and your friends tell a story together, guiding the heroes uh, through quests for treasure, battle with deadly foes, daring rescues, courtly intrigue, and much more. Um, you can explore the world of Dungeons and Dragons through any novels written by its fantasy authors, because it's not just done by Wizards of the Coast. There are many, mm. many books which yeah. are written by different people. With with Dungeons and Dragons, I, I really want to know this one right? because obviously you got your the, the fancy novels. There's so many to choose from. You got your yes. you got your mythical creatures. You got your, your um, the, the characters of the heroes, the villains. You got your monsters. You got the dragons. You got uh, I don't know this. The bug eye monsters. I was going to say the Cyclops, but that's more Greek mythology. And but there are. There but there are. are. Cyclops, yes. um, the swords and the stones and everything, the wizards, etc. So, mm-hmm. and that's that's why I want to ask you because obviously, so a lot of people who are more familiar with um, wizards and witchcraft and everything would either be fans of Lord of the Rings or they'd be fan of Game of Thrones. Yes. So what is? Is there a difference because of, you know, with Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and you've got Dungeons and Dragons, is there so many differences? Would you say that they all just fall into the same fantasy genre or do you say that, no, they're, they're more different? Do, do you see what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, yeah. so um, I would, cons- personally, I would consider Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons to be high fantasy, whereas um, I believe that Game of Thrones falls under um, low fantasy, um, a low fantasy setting, because it, it, from what I saw of the TV show and what I listened to, because I listened to the audio book, um, but I think I got up to the second book, second book, I think, um, and then I very, very, I very much fell out with the way that the guy pronounced Brianne's name, which was Brian, and, and and I couldn't I couldn't stick that. So anyway, so high fantasy and low fantasy. High fantasy and low fantasy. It's, yeah, I was going to say that the difference is is it because uh, high fantasy it's much more would you say glamour to it uh, more glamour where it's low is like gritty raw whatever would you say that uh, it's more of um, magic is more around is is more predominant in high fantasy, um, whereas you don't really see much magic in Game of Thrones, from what I remember. Yes, there are dragons. Yes, you've got the priests and priestesses over law, which and you got the witches and everything. You, 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 yeah, you have got witches and stuff. So there, magic is in the world, but it's not as in your face. Yeah, as Dungeons and Dragons and. Because you could say that about Harry Potter as well, in, in a sense. But then, um, but then again, Harry Potter has that more modern. It doesn't really take you away. It doesn't really take you away into a fancy world of Gondor, Mordor, or um, uh, I. I'm not. A f- I I watched 
Game of Thrones, but I only started watching it from... I, I watched the first series, because mm-hmm. Sean Bean was in it, and I'm a Sean Bean fan, yes. and obviously um, he got killed in the first series, and then I, I thought that was it. I thought that was just the one series done. Uh-huh. And then they had the second series, then they had the third series, and I only crept in to the fifth series, I think. Oh, okay. What series was when Jon Snow got killed? Got killed, quote-unquote. Quote-quote, quote, quote, quote. I want to I say that was... Is that the fifth series or sixth? Yes. Well, it, it was it was that series where... Yeah, because they... I'm pretty sure that's when things... I mean, things started to go downhill, but then that was kind of like the icing on the cake for some people. Yeah. But but with Harry Potter, it has that modern tone, don't it? It's like... It, it tries to keep you not in a fancy world, but then in a, that level of... I think... Realism as well. The level of realism as well between... Fancy and yeah, I, I I think Harry Potter is definitely a world of its own because it's. I think it's trying to be a middle ground of high and low fantasy. I mean, from what I'm. From what I know, that um, she's trying to expand on the world much further after the books have all been undone, um, which I think is a bit. It's very daft. I, I think that's very daft. I think she's shot herself in the foot. She me? really has shot herself in the Look, foot. Look, here's the thing about me. I mean, no disrespect to anyone who is a big Harry Potter fan, right? Mm-hmm. I love Daniel Radcliffe. I think he's a tremendous actor. I love Emma Watson. I love um, uh, Rupert... What's Grint? It? Rupert Grint. I was going to say Rupert Everett then. But then again, he was in it. I think he was in it. I think he was. I don't know. I love Michael Gambon. I love Richard Harris when they both played Dumbledores. I love yes. Maggie Smith. Uh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman was one of my favourite um, actors in the Harry Potter series. I love Sirius, uh, Sirius Black, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love it. Um, but I think um, when I started watching Fantastic Beasts, mm. th- there was a part of me that just felt that when they went to America, when they went to, when they started basically glamorising what the, the past more of oh this is what happened this is the, you know they went to America it's like it was like well J.K. Rowling must have sold herself to the devil in some cases because I, I I'd assumed that when me and my band were when we watched those documentaries of how J.K. Rowling went from rags to riches and everything which I admire her for mm-hmm. um, but I'd assumed that one of her rules was do not cast any Americans in in the Harry Potter series because it's surely British and everything mm-hmm. and I think she's gone back on her words when the Fantastic Beasts came along yeah I mean maybe she had a change of heart and gone you know what let's try to expand but I think she never needed to she never there never needed to be a second or third Fantastic Beasts my biggest gripe is that this current trilogy or saga saga is named Fantastic Beasts. But after the first one, you very rarely see anything of fantastic, you know, fantastical beasts. Yeah. It's all about um Dumbledore and the uh, Scalamander. Is it Scalamander? Uh, no. Newt Scamander. Yeah, Newt Scamander. Yeah. Um 
it's all about them now. It's it's more like them, and it's turning into. If she wants to do the the prequel series of um, Harry Potter, I was going to say Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's for another we were, time. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Um, if she wanted to do a prequel series um, between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, then she should have named it after that, not Fantastic Beasts. We are here to see Fantastic Beasts, and you're not giving us Fantastic Beasts. You're giving us a story that sometimes have Fantastic Beasts in it. And you know where to find them. Yeah, and Newt Scamander knows how to find them. And that's the thing, I feel bad for Eddie Redmayne. Before we go back to Dungeons and Dragons, I feel bad mm. for Eddie Redmayne because in the first film you knew that, right? Um, Newt Scamander, right? You're focused on Eddie Redmayne. Mm-hmm. You're focused on him and where he's finding these beats because there's prequel books. Yes. But they're short prequel books, which I like because it's just little snippets here and there that yeah. J.K. Rowling or Rowling, whatever you want to say, done. Mm. And and it just seemed as if when when uh, Jude Law came in as Dumbledore. Mm. Everything just changes. Like, right, instead of focusing on Eddie Redmayne, you're focusing on Jude Law as Dumbledore now. As soon as Dumbledore came into the mix, I knew exactly that. Yeah, you, you, Eddie Redmayne, get out of your contract, mate, because you're not going to be... You're the supporting one. You went from leading to supporting. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest. As a Harry Potter fan myself... I'm not much now. Yeah, I'm not much now because of... Stuff and things. Um, it's it's hard when you to find the words, isn't it? When you're not trying to upset the the, the fan base that still clinches yeah. on, and that's. But it's just a matter of opinion, you know. It's not trying to be disrespectful yeah. or anything. It's just like, well, that's how I feel. Yeah. So my opinion is that the Fantastic Beast series is just terrible. Oh, it is. I loved. Um, Newt Scamander and the way that he was interacting with his Fantastic Beasts. I could not tell you, I cannot tell you the name of his supposed love interest, um, the one with the the black bobbed hair. Um, I remember Queenie because that's a very simple name to remember. I remember Grindelwald, but that's because of Johnny Depp. And... Yeah, I remember Grindelwald because of Johnny Depp, which I still to this day believe that it's it should have been um, Colin Farrell. It it should have stayed as Colin Farrell. Um, to not make any confusion or you can say whatever you like on it. No, because because I reckon that he played there was a unfortunately because of Johnny's typecast Colin Farrell played him as a threat but then as soon as you went to Johnny and then he kind of had the white hair and the funny um, mad hatterish look to him he immediately went from a threat to kind of... Goofy kind of thing. A goofy threat, yeah. Because we know that Johnny can play intimidating. But at the same time, he... And I... It's nothing to do... I don't think it has anything to do with Johnny Depp. Um, it's to do with the writing, would you say? It's to do with the choices that they made as a... Um, I think they want to bring Johnny Depp into it somehow, but putting him as Grindelwald was a bad move. Um, I just, hands down, I much preferred watching Colin Farrell play Grindelwald. And even if they just altered his look in some way, so it wasn't 
Um, a face change kind of thing. Y- yeah, so it's more of a, um, you know, his face kind of... It's not ripping off Doctor Who, basically, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I know... That's just I know the, that's the only way to bluntly just... I mean, I, I know you've got the Polyjuice Potion, um, which can completely turn you into somebody else, but I don't see why they couldn't just keep him a mystery until the actual kind of... a really big reveal. So made Johnny Depp a different version of him, and then um, made Johnny Depp turn into... Mads Mikkelsen, because, mm. all because of Polyjuice Potion. And, mm, I, yeah. I, I just think the way Warner Brothers have treated, I, I'm only going to say this now, mm-hmm. I think the way Warner Brothers have treated Johnny Depp and the whole saga yes. of his personal life and the, 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 the structure and the, the planning of the, the Fantastic Beast saga, I just think mm. Warner Brothers need to quit while they're still because yes. their reputation now is going down the drain yeah because of the way they treated the dc films and the way that now they're treating the this. harry potter it's like come on you've got yeah. two of the biggest franchises that you can have in the palm of your hands that are not in the hands of disney and you're fucking it up yeah. excuse my language they've, they've they've screwed themselves over big time um right. um but yeah, I the characters I feel that the characters are very bland. Apart from obviously Dumbledore and um Newt Scamander and the human that they seem to be dragging along everywhere. I I don't remember his name. I can't remember his name, but I know that he sticks out more than the the other woman, the woman with the yeah. bob haircut, more than she sticks out. Um because even to this day, I still can't remember her name. Um, and then they're slowly leaning towards Grindelwald and his kind of story, which is great, which is fine, but call it something else. Mm. It's not Fantastic Beasts anymore. They should just cut out Fantastic Beasts completely yeah. if they want to go towards Grindelwald. Anyway, I am not going to yeah. harp on about this. Uh, but I am going to put in my two cents about Mads Mikkelsen because I know that for a fact that he is a fantastic actor and I hope that he does well. Um, it's. Do you think it's not fair on him that it's the not, way he's being thrown upon him, being thrust upon him? Even? It's not fair on the entire situation. Yes, Johnny shouldn't have been um, replaced, but unfortunately he has and, he's, and Mads Mikkelsen is unfortunately getting the backlash of that. That's not his decision. I mean, as an actor, you were going to pick up... Where you left off. You're going to pick up any sort of film that it's going to get you. Um, Criticise. It's like like with Doctor Who, in in a sense. Anyone who's going to... It's like when Matt Smith mm. replaced David Tennant. Yeah, he was immediately known as as David Tennant's replacement. Not the next Doctor. Yeah, and it it took him a long time for him to say he is the Doctor. Yes. Um, and it's like with Jodie Whittaker being the first female doctor. Mm. Um, that's another story for another time. Yes. But it's she will always be known as that woman who played the doctor. Yes. Not, oh, the 13th doctor or etc. Et it's yeah. the woman who played the doctor. Yeah. The first woman doctor. Yeah. Which 
I don't mind, I'm, you know. I, I don't can... mind, but I think so, for someone like, it's like Chuti Gato as well. He's going to be the first black doctor or yes. whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe he is part of it, or maybe he just wants to be called, you know, there's, there's got to be a, a community of actors who don't like to be labelled as the first so-and-so or the yeah. so-and-so. You know, I mean, if I was cast as the first, I don't know. If I was cast as the Doctor, I know for a fact I'd probably be called the first Welsh Doctor or something like that. I was like, no, I'm I'm the Doctor. Mm. Yeah. I was like, I'm the Doctor. Yeah. I, I'm the next one, you know. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if, I mean, may, maybe it was like, it, it took it took 12 incarnations to get um, someone to say, oh, he's got a Scottish accent. Peter Capaldi was allowed to have a Scottish accent to use it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So Vesta McCoy's Scottish. He didn't have one. David Tennant. Uh, David Tennant had it. But then again, that's how good David Tennant is. He's like, I'm not going to bring my Scottish accent in. Yeah. But vice versa. But anyway, um, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, I wish him all the very best. Yes. And Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. So, right, anyway, I want to know more about the book first okay. than anything. Because I know I see the board, I see uh, the tools of the tools that you got with me. So, okay, so um, but the- I'm really excited. The three, well, the two main components that you really need are dice and a book for notes. Okay. Um, and maybe your character sheet, but I, I, I've got a book separate for my notes because I write a lot of notes. Um, and then I keep my uh, character sheets separate. Okay. Um, the majority of games that I play are online, so I don't have to carry my character sheet with me. Um, Is it all done online now? So, a lot of people do still play um, in person, especially now that the pandemic has died down a little. Um, but I predominantly play online purely because of the the people that I play with are from all different places mm-hmm. so my sunday game um three four of us live in wales one person lives in england and then another person lives in america yeah um i don't know where the other people from my other two games live um but it's just purely for convenience mm. um I was ignoring you. There, yeah, but sorry. because because in all honesty, I wouldn't. You know, there is no other way of being able to play Dungeons and Dragons with someone over in America if you play in person. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, you've got your dice, Rip ready for some yeah. dice dice ASMR. Yeah. Do you know what that reminded me of then? What? Do you remember the crazy bones they used to collect it years ago? The, oh, the crazy bones. Yes. It just reminded me of that. It reminded me, it, that just brought me back to a lovely childhood memory then. Ready? Oh. oh beauty. And it's, and it's different types as well. Yeah, so um, the three that I've got here, um, the one that you've picked up is, I'm pretty sure it's made of resin or it's made of... Um... It looks like a drain oil, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so they're your standard dice, the ones that you can get. But then these ones are a lot heavier, and I'm wondering. Made of stone. Oh, from the neck. There you go. God, that's made out. St- they're made out of stones or something, eh? They are very heavy. Yeah. 
But then when you roll them, satisfying as that. Yeah. So we've got our dice. We've got our book. Here you go. This is what I was more interested in now. As soon as I open my book, I have notes. My character's notes. So this is um, her backstory, um, how she got to where where we are at the very start of um, the campaign. Yeah. Um, is there ever an ending? Yes. Okay. Well. Because that, that, that's what I mean about with Because with Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like, like I said, I'm only familiar with. Sorry, that was yeah, one. Sorry. I'm only familiar with what I see, and sometimes um, I'll, I'll use the recess episodes very quickly. Yeah. Um, it's like a never-ending story. Mm-hmm. It's like J. It's like uh, J.R. Tolkien just basically never ended. Um, Lord of the Rings. It, it seems like that you can just yeah. carry on for forever. So I, I just wanted to know, you know, obviously there's a beginning, there's a middle, but is there an end? So. There can be an end. It it honestly depends on your character. So for example, um, I will try and be brief. Um, the very first campaign, the very first book campaign that I started, finished, and ended. Um, was Descent into Avernus. Now, unfortunately, my first character died. Um, I was going to say, do characters get killed? <laughs> they certainly do. And, and it <laughs> so is... if I'm asking stupid questions, but like I said, I'm not a Dungeons & Dragons person. No, so. by all means, ask all the stupid questions, because I highly doubt there is not a stupid question. <laughs> we'll soon see. <laughs> um, my So my character, unfortunately, died. Um in hell but because of what she was she ended up turning into a demon and coming back later much to uh, i really really enjoyed that but um so the new character that i created called aaron she she lived in um elterel which is which is the city that fell into avernus the first layer of hell um so I already had to create at least 80 years before before the campaign. Oh. Um, so everything, everything was all hunky-dory. She moved to Elturel with her um, essentially partner. Um, so she's from a different dimension called the Feywild, which is all Fey. Um, and then she moved to the Mortal Plane, which is where Feyrun is um, and Elturel. Um, they then joined, um, the town, we, she became a cleric, so she does a lot of healing, um, but she does also fight as well, um, he became a fighter, um, then there was a big hullabaloo about a war with demons versus them, um, they then became hell riders, which is, you know, they rode into hell. Hence the name, no, no, Hell no Riders. Pen, no pun intended. Yeah, you know, um, sometimes we're not very creative with, with, with names. Yeah, but it's very creative in a sense that, you know, it expands your imagination. And it, it, just, it gets you going and it, it's your story or stories. It's, yeah. It's really engaging that. Yeah, so there was a... So I'll, I'll skip forward. So my character then joined um, joined the rest of the group who were trying to do this, that and the other. Um because of 
certain things that happened, we then were faced, we had to go into a citadel um, and only a person of pure of heart could open the doors. Now, I'll tell you who was involved. So you had Aaron, which is my character. She was a cleric. We had Quinn, who was a sorcerer. He dealt with magic. We had Bo, who was a... Um, she was a rogue. Uh, very, very sneaky, likes to stay in the shadows and, and what have you. Then we had um, our orc, Shan. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get your Lord of the Rings in. Got to get your Lord of the Rings in. Um, now, she came across as a blacksmith um, fighter or barbarian who do a lot of the front fighting. Um, but she disguised her, her actual character, which I believe was a... Um, an eldritch knight, I think. So that's a fighter with a little bit of magic. Um, I think. Anyway, um, so that's our company. We found out that Sean and um, Quinn were, they agreed on a pact between um, a demon lord Obviously, they couldn't open the doors. Mm. Bo, our sneaky, sneaky rogue, she went and um, became the champion to Tiamat. Now, Tiamat is the evil dragon queen. She's got five. She got five different heads, each one accumulating to a to an element. Mm. She is very bad. Very, 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 very bad. Um. So she is locked in her own little um, cage in hell somewhere. Because I don't think she's on the first layer of hell. Anyway, um, so she's in league with Tiamat. She couldn't open the door. My character is the only one who stayed true to her good nature. And she was the only one to open the door. And she's the only one that was able to take this legendary sword that, lay, that lays inside. Um, and at the end, when everything all finished, the DM turned round to um, our rogue, Bo, and said, if you hadn't have made that pact with Tiamat, you also would have been able to have opened the door. But because as Bo, she decided to, to, to say yes mm. to Tiamat, um, and it's very interesting as well because it's not like you've got a writer to say, right, your character does this. It's you think for your character as yeah, well. Yeah, as, as, soon as, as soon as the story starts, you have to embody that character, mind, body and soul. So method acting to the front. Well, method, yeah, method acting in front of a screen. Um, so, we're, so, so that is a book story. The one that I'm going to be playing tonight, which is run by our, our good good boyo, Lucas. Shout out to Lucas Edwards, baby! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he does listen as well, because I think I mentioned it, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I, 
you were on quite recently, weren't you? And I was like, yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, I'm boy. the co-host, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's going to be the one running the campaign tonight. And my ca- we both spoke about the character um, and we both created her. So she is a pirate. Um, surprisingly, she's again from the from the Feywild. I do like making Feywild characters. Anyway, see that um, would be my character. I'd like to be a pirate kind of character in in some sort of whatever it be dungeon. Yeah, to some degree, maybe whether it be like a Dungeons and Dragons or any stories. I just love pirate worlds. Yeah, there's something that's why I love the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Yes. even even after the three, because a lot of people didn't. It's like critics didn't like the second, the third one. They they kept slandering it, but the reason why it did. But it, it's like anything else. Critics don't know unless they look at the box office and it earned billions at the box office. You could tell that people loved it, right? Mm-hmm. Then the fourth one came out. Okay. Cack. Pure, utter tripe. But I... But there we go. But there we go, yeah. But I enjoyed it in some ways. Mm-hmm. Then I... I uh, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, but I like the one with Javier Bardem as the ghost... Oh when yeah, I really liked that. Salathar's revenge. Yeah, yeah, that was my that was my favorite one of the recent ones. Yeah, um, because they they went back to the original trilogy in a way. Yeah, the only thing that I didn't like about that film was the fact that they changed um, Captain Jack Sparrow's background. So in the third, uh, in the in the second and third one, we find out that. Um, Captain Jack Sparrow became a pirate because he didn't want to be ferrying um, slaves. There is a line that was taken out. It's not in the... Um, I don't know if it's in the DVD version, but it's certainly not in the Disney Plus version. There is a line that Captain Jack Sparrow says, and it says, people aren't cargo mate. Hmm. Oh, morals, mate. Morals. So Jack's got morals. I know, right? Even Jack's got morals. So, um, so that was that. But then in Salathar's Revenge, um, we see that Captain Jack, or Cap- Captain Jack as a young boy, um, tricking tricking Salathar to go into this Devil's Triangle, and then they started to give him a tribute. Because he did such a good job, and that's how he gained his um, his sash, his bandana, and this, that, and the other. That completely erases his people aren't cargo mate storyline, and that to me, that to me is just. Huge. I think that's why they're not doing a pirate six no more because, for whatever reasons. Well, number one, Johnny isn't going to be he isn't yeah. going to be in it. He's not but, a franchise. You know, he's not a franchise person. No, but he he has stated several times that he does enjoy playing Captain Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow is his character. It's yeah. not their character he's anymore. Couldn't resist, mate. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, though. Before we go back into, because you mentioned the pirates one. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. A lot of people keep forgetting. Mm-hmm. They keep forgetting. It's a bit like Indiana Jones in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and um, bear with me when I say this, people. Right? People didn't like how the recent, um, the recent Pirates of the Caribbean films. So the one with Javier Bardem and the one with Penelope Cruz yes. in it. Right? They said, "Oh, Fountain of Youth." Uh, you know, they, they didn't like that, and they didn't like all oh, the ghost ones. And I just went so um, Pirates of the Caribbean and the Black Pill. Ladies and gentlemen, what was it about? 
It's about Jack Har- uh, Jack Harkness, sorry, <laughs> J- Jack Sparrow. Okay, it was about Jack Sparrow and uh, William Turner and all. Who was the villain? Jeffrey Rush was the villain. Barbosa, yes. Yeah. What was the matter with the crew? They were cursed. They were, yeah. And then when the moonlight shined on them, they were skeletons. They were yeah. dead. It's like, shut up. I mean, for God's sake, the second and third one is... It, it, David Jones! David Jones! <laughs> and he's not exactly a normal person either. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's been like the, a... the only thing about the fourth one that I didn't like was... Um, unfortunately, the love interest um, that they gave Jack Sparrow... I, I don't think they should have made her a love interest. Um to the point where he very nearly married her. Hmm. He was the one who ran away. I don't think that they should have done that. They should have... Um, I, I can understand... I like the playful banter between them. Yeah. Um, but that's as, that's, that's as far as it goes. Yeah. Um, and that's and the thing the with Jack Sparrow. He's, huh? And the mermaids. I really didn't like the mermaids. I, I just, it was inevitable that Pirates of the Caribbean were going to have mermaids at one point in the story. But I think it <laughs> yeah. was the way they were done. Yeah, uh, which is really, really stupid of me to say out loud. Um, Cursed Pirates, yeah, fine. Davy Jones, yeah, fine. Mermaids, what? The, that's a step too far. <laughs> <laughs> so pirates then. So, so pirates. Yeah. So this pirate, um, Seraphine. What um, a name! You keep coming up with brilliant names. Seraphine. It sounds like Seraphine. sounds like I could pick up at the pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. That's me. <laughs> um. So she came, so this is all set in a completely made up world by um, a friend of ours, uh, Gareth. Um, it's set in a world called Jicky Mass. Um, so all to all of the people who are listening and they know of Dungeons and Dragons. And this... if you're here for so long after our... It's all connected though, that's the good it thing. Is... It, it is all connected in some ways because, like I said about Pirates of the Caribbean and Indiana Jones and Harry Potter, they're all fantasy in some way yes yeah so. um so she exited the Feywild and she came to a place called Viaka um at the age of well she's 60 in human years but she's 12 human years 60 elf years 12 human years and she desired the sea so she was adopted by uh, her parents and they sent her off to a place called Golring, who are well known for best education she left, um, she left the school to go back to the port town of Esteban, uh, where she, she forced the captain of the water skater, Captain Todd, to take her on as a crew member as she wanted to be a sailor, because she desired the sea, yeah. as one does. Um, it worked for a few years until their ship was ravaged by pirates. Um, captain Todd had considered Seraphine to be a daughter he never had and demanded that she hide in a barrel for her own safety. Sadly, she was found by the pirate crew of the, let me see if I can get this right, Lapis Philophosorum. Philo, yeah, Philosophorum. This is really daft because I've created this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and you're the one that's coming up with these the, names. Yeah, the one that I've come up with, yeah. Um, so she showed gumption and instead of killing her, they forced her to watch um, the, uh, the captain of the Lapis murdered the crew that she took as family. Um, this showed her into how they made their red stones, which the pirates pass off as rare gems. Now he, I didn't actually, I forgot to write it in my notes, but they, 
pirate captain uses a sword and um, as soon as he stabs the sword through the person, um, it essentially extracts blood and the blood hardens to a red stone. So essentially they've been passing off these red stones, crystallised blood essentially, um, as rare gems. So um, this is low fantasy. <laughs> yeah. uh, the water skater crew fell to the depths and were never to be seen again. The pirates, um, on the other hand, were going to sell her off to the highest bidder as soon as they made port. But Seraphine showed her love and desire for the sea. Um, a kinship bone to the pirates they never knew they had uh, was awoken, and they decided to teach her the ways of piracy. Her hatred for the pirates never faltered, um, Seraphine would buy her time and learn all that she needed to to be able to leave and gain her own ship. Um, she never learned the names of the crew members, but the ones that she did learn were C Captain Craven. Um, I just describe him here. Um, he's tall and overly burly. His long copper brown hair is plaited to the middle of his back and his eyes were sharp and black as ravens. Then uh, there's Rhea, the ship's healer and lady of the night for restless crew members. Um, they pick her up, not wanting Seraphine to be the only female on board. She tried to stay for Seraphine's sake, but one night Seraphine saw Rhea leaving, um, unable to be on board for much longer. And then there's Cor or Corinth, who is a female bard that wished to sail with them for a time. Seraphine very much enjoyed her songs and stories. Uh, then there's also another one, Jarrett. Um, so, he's the one in the crow's nest. Uh, he's soft and quiet. Uh, they enjoy watching the horizon together. So there's this massive storytelling background going into Dungeons and Dragons. So this is all before the story starts. Man. Um, so many years pass and Seraphine uh, travelled up the ranks to first mate after the original one betrayed them and was slain. Um, she was fierce and commanded with her glaive, her winter face self coming through stronger than ever. Um, for her glaive is known as freeze, well, it has a special thing called freeze over, where she, um, as soon as she like, stand, uh, bashes it to the floor, it gains 10 foot of light and um, every time, and f for one time per round, it does one d4 of cold damage. So a d4 is this one here for you. Okay. So then I roll attack, and then I roll an extra damage on top. So, so that's what, so I roll that. So I would get, so they would take an extra two cold damage. Right. Ah, yeah, I see. So it's dependent on where the, what the top number is. Yeah. Um, so she uh, ruled with her glaive, her winter self coming through stronger than ever. On land, uh, she did gain a reputation of not being a person to fuck with. You don't want to fuck with this girl. Mm. Um, the night of her birthday, though, it took her turn for the worst. For years, she failed to tell them of her age and for a good reason. Um, but deep down, she knew, uh, she knew that they treated her like a child. She told them that she was 21 in human years, but 105 in elf years. Oh, she's an elf then, is she? Yes, yeah, so um, if you're from the Feywild, you're called an, an Eladrin. Um, 
which is a, another form of elf. Answer me this, because you're a big fan of uh, Lord of the Rings. Go for right? it. Um, I remember playing Top Trumps, as you do, when you were a kid. Yes. And... Obviously, I remember watching one of the Lord of the Rings films, and Aragorn's age is in the late 80s. Yes. Matt. Why is that? So, he is known as Adunadine, which is part of the First Men. Now, the First Men are, I don't want to say similar to the elves, but they age a lot slowly. Um, they age very slowly, but at the same time... Um, he isn't supposed to look as he isn't supposed to look as young as Aragorn does in the movies. It's the same with um, <laughs> Frodo as well. Frodo is in his um, hundreds, isn't he, or something like that? No, he's he's quite old as well. Thousands then? No, 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 no. He's he's probably about this. Oh, I don't want to say the same age, um, but you're classed as a full adult at thirty three. In hobbits, in in hobbit years, um, and then pretty sure uh, thirty three. I want to say he's like sixty ish in the books. Maybe I I may I may be wrong with that, but I know that um, he's not as young and sprightly as the movie also depicts. Yeah. So with Aragorn then. So with Aragorn um, being part of the Dunedine he has got that first men blood in him, which makes mm. him age slowly. Yeah. And the last thing as well, before we go back into your storytelling as well, yes. with Aragorn then, yes. um, what, where does... I, I've watched all the rings. I love Lord of the Rings. I haven't read the books though, that's the thing. Uh -huh. um, and I wouldn't say I'm as in-depth with Lord of the Rings than I am with Doctor Who, right? which obviously... I, I've told you before the podcast with my yeah. storytelling. So would you kindly elaborate on how he becomes the kingdom? Why is he the in line to the throne? Because of his ancestors. His um, So he technically is the next in line to be king of Gondor. But um, he... I can't remember why. But he joined the um, rangers... I don't think he wanted... Um, he didn't want to be he a king. Yeah, he didn't want to be king because of what Isildur did. Because obviously he kept the ring. Isildur kept... Sorry. Isil, Isildur. So Isildur, is he the one who falls... He, he's on fire and he falls to his death. Is that him or is that no, completely... No, like no. No, that's, that's Denethor. So, right. De so Denethor... Right. Sildor is the one who took the ring. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Yes, yes. And he, uh, Elrond was like, destroy, destroy the ring, destroy it now. No, I'm going to keep it. And yes, now I'm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now I'm on you. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Lord of the Rings in a while, so. Uh... Yeah. Um, Denethor is the. He's the steward. So he, when the king isn't around, he is the one who makes, uh, decisions and stuff. Um, yeah, and when I first watched it, I really didn't like Denethor, and I still don't like Denethor to this day, but I'm a little bit more sympathetic to him because he used the Palantir um, to try and gain an upper hand, but it, in the end, it, up, it ended up corrupting him, which made him into a huge douchebag. Um, but, yeah. 
So he, he was a good guy once upon a time, but um, then I thought I was really glad when he fell off. Um, the bill, the castle. The, 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 the huge cliff yeah. that is uh, Minister. Um, Minister, yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Uh, that's all right. I try and do the best as I can. <laughs> it's, no, it's fine, because like I said, it's, it's just... If it was a Doctor Who episode and you asked me the questions, I'd be going bam, 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 bam. Same way as with you in Lord of the Rings and that. So yeah, I do, I do like Lord of the Rings, but I know that there are a lot of people who know a hell of a lot more than I do. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing though with with us on the podcast, right? We're not here to criticize. We're not here no. to say, look. I mean, we're fans at the end of the day, but there's going to be someone who's who's um, knows more than us. But that doesn't always. But yeah. that doesn't mean you're. A, you're a bigger fan than some other people are. Yeah. You're just you're a fan. Just love it. There'll be some more. There'll be some people know who know more about one thing than the other. Yes. So. Are you looking for the perfect bracelet for a loved one? Would your man be interested in a personalised keyring from his children? Are you looking for the best priced jewellery, whether it be a necklace, ring, earrings, bangle, or even more? Look no further than Crafted Arts. Crafted Arts is a local business based in Barry within the Vale of Morgan and they have a range of all the perfect items you need. If it's for the perfect gift for an anniversary or maybe it's for someone's birthday, maybe something for Christmas or you wanted to give someone that perfect gift that will last a long time, Crafted Arts it's the business for you. If you want to know more or see what they have in stock, then you can visit them locally at 29 High Street, Barry, Villager Morgan, CF627EB. Or you can go onto their website at www.craftedarts.co.uk. You can even email them at info at craftedarts.co.uk or maybe just give them a call at 077-89-94248. Trust me, it's worth it for the perfect gift. The best thing about Creative Space is that we don't just want to encourage people in being creative in TV, film or even theatre. We also want you to be creative in a variety of other things as well. So do you want to have experience in making jewellery? Do you want to pick up a hobby but do not know what to take or where to start? Then look no further than the Veil Jewellery Workshops. Veil Jewellery Workshops provides the best experience in teaching you how to make the best sterling silver jewellery. They will help you make a range of silverware including rings, bracelets and many more pieces. You will learn the basic silversmith skills such as soldering, texturing, shaping and lots more. Not only do the workshops provide the experience for adults, it also provides the best experience and fun for children as well. So if you want to learn on how to make sterling silver jewellery and if you're very interested, go onto their website at www.veildewerryworkshops.co.uk or get in touch with them via email at info at veildewerryworkshops.co.uk or even phone them at 07789794248. Bit like me and Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so back to Seraphine. Uh, the night of her birthday, the um, crew decided to try and make an inappropriate pass at her. We, we will we will just keep it PG and mm. try that. Um, she screamed for the captain to try and stop it, but when he came out, Craven turned a blind eye. Um, even uh, Jarrett, her friend, up on the uh, crow's nest. Um, but he was silent. Um, he was knocked out unconscious, to be a little bit more specific. So he couldn't help even if he wanted to. 
Um, things began to get worse when the ship rocked violently. Seraphine uh, remembers running away to grab her glaive and more clothes, vowing to never allow that to happen again. Um, when she began, uh, she began to hear screams from the crew, but why? The Kraken. She didn't see anything. As she resurfaced, she gazed upon the destructive horror of these water-like creatures that were tearing the crew of the Lapis apart like they were weak cloth. Seraphine prepared for battle, but who? But against who? These monsters hadn't seen her. Why should she try and save the crew who had just attempted to do bad things to her? So she spotted the one, uh, the one creature that looked like their leader. Her glaive at the ready, she prepared for a good look at these creatures. And as it turned, her heart dropped. For inside this creature stood Captain Todd, the captain of her first um, ship, the water skater. Um, and he had a look of hatred and torment in his eyes. But he recognised her. The creature placed a weird hand-like thing on her shoulder. You should go, she heard in her head. The creature then walked away. All around her, the crew were dying, and she was untouched. Seraphine woke on a small boat that was heading towards Esteban, the, one of the biggest port towns in Jikimas. She managed to slip away onto the Octodoc, um, but Caleb, the head guard, found her. So presently, Seraphine? Seraphine is 23, or 125 in elf years. She stayed on the Octodoc for two years, the desire for the sea getting bigger and bigger. Um, for this surely, uh, this surely means that she will have to leave Caleb. She had grown too attached to him, but she needs the sea like the night sky needs stars. Um, so then on the next page, I've just got um, basic things that she's done. So a, a drawing of what the Octodoc looks like. Um, so I will just show you. Yeah, yeah. So a bit like... Uh, so that's a very, very rough yeah. map. Yeah. <laughs> a very, very rough map. And it goes on and on and on. Then. And it goes on. So uh, these these pages, so yeah. the last two and pages... what you guys would do then, it would go into the stories of how each character connects in some ways and then goes into... Yes. Oh, that's... Yes. So um, I've got basically what she does during the day, um, the places that she knows and the people she would continually talk to um but then i had a note from uh, the dm from good old lucas she knows of a newcomer that has just arrived into port and there is also a rumor um and regular stories of a drunken fighter so those two are so those two points are hooks for my character to go and investigate as soon as we start the story mm. Now, I know this, and everyone else knows this, but the newcomer to the port and the drunk fighter are two other player characters. Oh. But obviously I have to play this like Seraphine does not know this information. And the, the difficult thing is not to metagame. Now, metagame is knowing, so you know some information, but your character doesn't know the information. And if you put in your knowledge 
to a character that wouldn't know this information, that's called metagaming. Right. So it's basically cheating in some ways. Essentially, it's cheating, yeah. 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 Um, so that's like me um, me knowing that if I if I turn the corner, there's going to be a way a bit behind it, uh, you know, around the corner. Yeah. But then I make my character go, no, we shouldn't turn the corner. There's something there. She doesn't know that there's something there, but I know there's something. So that could be a difference between you saying, we shouldn't go there and should we or shouldn't we go down? You know, it's... It's, it's, it's a case of... So, altering it kind of ways. yeah so altering it in a way that you, you your character wouldn't wouldn't know yeah is, is there any is there any rules that are sort of it sounds a bit dramatic sacrilege in in, in dungeons and dragons where it, it's frowned upon any rules like that or anything you can can and can't do within the system of dungeons and dragons um, and I'm more interested in the don'ts than the, the do's. <laughs> so the um, there are many do's and don'ts. Very, very many do's and don'ts. Um, the biggest one uh, of the don'ts is don't metagame. Um, don't fudge your rules. So if I were to, um, for example, if I were to say I want to. Um, Seraphine is going to try and swing at the first person that's mm. in front of her. So I roll... Oh, very nice. I rolled a 13. But if I didn't like that roll, um, I would say, instead of a ro- rolling a 13 and say, I rolled a 13, I would say, I rolled a natural 20. Mm. Now, a natural 20, you you, ha- you have the freedom to be a little bit more flamboyant about it because it, if you want to do something and you get a 20, you do it. Mm. The, the long and short of it is you get to do it, yeah. but it is up to the um, Dungeon Master's discretion on how you do it. Yeah. Um, just moving, it, moving the dice is around. Just... <sighs> it's so nice. It's, it's very crazy, but I'm like it. You know, ah. Uh... Man. Yeah. It, but the, but that's Dungeons and Dragons. Then. But that that is, is essentially that is Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's very 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 brief and very cut down because they're surprisingly there is even though you've got such creative freedom, there is a lot of rules, and there are a lot of um, limitations that you can do. Like for for, for example. Um, if you are a, um, if you're a wizard, you cannot go up to an enemy and use a sword because your strength, your, your, the points that you're given, you've put into intelligence or wisdom or, um, anything that defines a wizard. Anything that would help you to boost your magic abilities. Yeah. So if... Um, so I wouldn't go, right, um, I want to kill this person, try and roll a dice, and then... But like I said, it's just one of those things where it, there's rules. <laughs> yeah, so for example, if I were to... Uh, I'm going to very, very quickly pop on to D&D Beyond, because that's where... The rules are set. Well, that's where I've got some of my character sheets. And mostly, not just online, but 
Comic Cons are one of the perfect places to do Dungeons and Dragons as well. Absolutely, hundred percent. And if you want to go that one step extra, um, there is also live action role play, or also known as LARP. <laughs> Um, and that is where you do. I'm pretty sure that that's that you do the exact same thing, except instead of you being sat on a chair. So a bit like you know the, the you, you know yeah, in role models, the film role models. There is this uh, one of the character one of the characters in the film is actually a lover of this yes. mythical, and they do what you're basically explaining in some yes. ways. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, the, I'm pretty sure there's also an episode in uh, Supernatural as well. Yeah. Um, there is a female character called I, Charlie, uh, well, and she makes them play Dungeons and Dragons or LARP. I did not know that com- in in um, Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, is it Supernatural? Is it the one with Constantine, or is, am I thinking of a different one? No, I think you're th- you're thinking of a different one. Are you thinking of um, Legends of Tomorrow? Probably. I'm probably thinking Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, no, no, I am thinking of a different because in Legends of Tomorrow, the guy who plays Constantine, he's a Welsh actor. Yeah, my Ryan. Um, like, oh my God, he's Welsh. And then I found out he's like from Swansea as well. I was like, from Swansea. I was like, oh my God, he's a Jack. <laughs> yeah, he also played, um, is his name Edward in um, uh, Assassin's Creed um, Black Flag? He played the main protagonist. And he got, oh my god, he got his bunch of, a bunch of his, um, so I've heard, a bunch of his um, uh, pub buddies to go into the recording studio and all of them sang the sea shanties that you hear in the game. <laughs> I mean... We'll chuck you a few quid in and a few pints just if you yeah, can just... Yeah, we'll, we'll pay you in pints if you drink, if you drink, um, if you sing some sea, sea shanties for us. Yeah. I mean, Legendary is that? Anyway. So anyway, go back to the rules before we... <laughs> Another tangent. It's yeah. fine. Um, so, for example, we'll go, with, we'll go with this one. So, if you can see on yeah. there, that is a character called Turk. Okay. Um, T-U-R-Q. Yes. He is a wizard, I believe. Okay. And he studies necromancy. Um, which is very frowned upon, but, you know, we will slide past that. Um, if you can see the... Uh, There's, like, ability you... saves and senses. And... Yeah, so if you... Um, yeah. you got strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Most, okay. They are your basic ones. Okay. And then you got the saving throws. Yeah, and then you've got saving throws. So if I were to um, throw a spell that you that requires a... Um, uh, a strength saving throw, you would roll that. Let's just. Okay. So I rolled a 17 on, on my strength saving throw. Uh, but because I'm minus one, that would be 16. Okay. And annoyingly, Dungeons and Dragons require an awful lot of maths. And I am really crap at it. Yeah. And yet here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if. But you learn everything uh, yeah. in, in, in a sense, though. That, so that's the basic rundown. So that's the basic rundown. But going back to my previous point, if I wanted Turk to go running into battle, swinging a sword, he would not be able to do that because he only has an eight in strength. Yeah. So if I were to 
roll that. It's Shut up, was that a 19? Yeah. Get in. <laughs> well, it's all because of the roll of the dice. So it, so essentially that would have been, there we go. So at the bottom it says 18 because I'm minus one in strength. Magically, I would have probably been able to have... Um, Killed the entire army. If you well, at least hit somebody. Um, what? It's all to do with the roll of the dice. I was hoping to get a really bad roll to prove myself, but I got a 19. <laughs> um, that's so dumb. Anyway, um, you know, he would normally he would not be able to go swinging a sword in the midst of battle. But also, Turk only has 12 hit points. As a wizard... You are a glass cannon. You are going to go down like a sack of potatoes the second somebody hits you with a sword. Mm. You're not Gandalf, basically. You are, yes, you are not Gandalf. Um, you, you're not Ian McKellen, bless you. You are not Surian McKellen, the legend that is. Oh, I met. I know, I'm so jealous. Yeah. But you're also not Christopher Lee either. Oh, now, that, that legend... The guy's he's been, done it all. He's been there and done it all. You better hold it. So let's let's try and finish off Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons before, and Dragons. Before we go on to, because literally we are over an hour of talking about Dungeons and Dragons without having to talk about any other topics. I know. I know. So first time ever because a I lot of know. people. But a lot of people say, yeah, but you were talking about Harry Potter. You were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like yes, because they are they all relevant. Kind of, they, they all kind of interconnect in yeah. some way. Um, so. The, the joy about Dungeons and Dragons is that you get to create this story together. Now, I will say that even though the book stories um, are set, um, there are very many ways that you can go about the same story. So, for example, take Descent into Avernus, for example, the one that I started and finished. I was talking to another person who plays Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Now he is DMing this story, and he said that he, um, that they TPK'd. That's a total um, player kill. TPK. Yeah, total total player kill. So every single character, player character, died in the very first area. And that's not even going into hell itself. That is the very first area. So that's just basically it's it's like it's like going on a PS4 game, playing on level one, and then dying on level one. Yeah, that's like dying in the tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> really? It, yeah. It, it, it that is dying. Oh, man, in, that's bad. It's really bad. I mean, I'm, I'm not even a fan of Dungeons. Well, I mean, I, I don't know Dungeons, but I, you know, I, I get it. You know, that's yeah. that's like. That's going nowhere. That's just basically calling full time in the first five minutes of a football match. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, no, that, that just can't happen. It, it, it's, it's, it's real dumb. It's, it, yeah. But... TPK, I, man. Even the, the, even the initial sound. Oh, yeah. Know. So, um, you know, the, as I said, different people will play it different ways. And there are certain side quests that you can do that can... That can completely change an outcome. 
you know, for for example, uh, taking all of us, uh, taking my five, the the, the the five, four four players, and four all, five players, four yeah. five players, and my character Aaron was the only one to open the door. If if you didn't, if you made that decision, if I made that decision to um, do something bad, to do something bad, I wouldn't have been able to have opened that door. So we probably. Well, we, we that's like ending a ending a, a, a thirteen series episode, a thirteen episode series halfway ambiguous and gone. Yeah, we can't go any further. You know? Yeah, quite literally. Um, so I'm very but, glad that I stuck to my guns, but also it would have changed again if Bo hadn't sort of made a pact with Tiamat. Um, because either one of us would have been able to have taken the sword, and either one of us would have been able to have opened the door to the citadel. So, um, you know, one of us may have opened the door, but then another one of us would have taken the sword. But unfortunately, I probably... Aaron would have been the only person to have taken the sword, because mm. she's the only person that can wield the sword. <laughs> um, one person has magic, one person has an... Uh, uh, has a yeah. bow and it's arrow. a variety of character development yeah. and where where this character is going basically yeah. so the only person that could have taken up the sword was Aaron but Bo could have opened the door um you know another another way is that what happens if my first character hadn't died mm. how would that have impacted the story that would have probably yeah. gone a completely different way as well so in in a sense, Dungeons and Dragons, it's method acting, creative control. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what if scenarios? Massive. What massive. If. What if scenarios in a in a fantasy world? Yeah, but you don't have to do a campaign. You can also do one shots, which tend to be four to five, roughly about four to five hours, and that's a one and done story. Mm. So you create a character, you start the character, you start the one shot, and then it comes to an end. It is like a spin-off series. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll call it a spin-off series. Um, now, when it comes to Dungeons & Dragons, the biggest people at the minute that are well-known for, D- for D&D is Critical Role. And <laughs> the only... Critical Role is fantastic, from what I've seen of it. I try not to go towards that because I feel like sometimes I may lean towards what Matthew Matthew Mercer, who is the DM, what he does. Um, Some people, you know, try to be the new Matthew Mercer and create all these different things, but the only way that... um, Question before you carry on. Is there money to be made from Dungeons & Dragons, in a sense? Um, I don't want to sound like a, like a petty person. It's like, oh, money to be made. But it, it, because with the way you, you're telling me mm. about Dungeons & Dragons, it's seen, because it's global, it, it's not just UK and America, it's global. It is global. And it's so popular. And it's, it's a big franchise in itself, you know, mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people don't, who, who say they, they watch like I said, Doctor Who, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, they say, oh, we're a fan of that, but then that's a big franchise there, Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. And a big, I mean, bigger than Star Wars, bigger than everything, but it's not 
Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely massive. And if you if you even look into it, there are Doctor Who story uh, role play books. There's Lord of the Rings role play books. There are um, uh, what was another one? Uh, Game, of Game of Game of Thrones books. They, in fact, one some person that um, so I'm involved with a, a website called World Anvil, and that helps you to. If you're creating a world, that ha- helps you to basically create a Wikipedia page for your world. Um, and the woman there, she recently helped to create a Dark Crystal roleplay book. Uh, do, you, do you know of the Dark Crystal, uh, Jim Henson? Uh, vaguely, vaguely. But you, you, don't, you don't have to go into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm just going to be disappointed at you. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, Bye. <laughs> I'm going to have a look at it now. So carry on. So uh, there are... Um, there's probably a... Well, there's definitely a Star Wars one. Um, there are so many um, roleplay books. Ah, about, the film. Yeah. Yes, yes, of course. I've, yeah, I, I haven't seen it for a long time. That's why yeah. I'm not... There was there, a television. There's also, there's also a TV show. Yeah, I, I was going to say there's a TV show as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jim in Frank Oz. Yes. Ah, so it's proper Muppets. But, it is, yeah. But dark fantasy. Yes, it is very dark fantasy. There is not a single person in it at all. Like a, um, a humanoid, you know, how... Um, yeah, yeah. Billy Whitelaw. Ooh, okay. Mm? Billy Whitelaw is in there. Fair play. Sorry, that's just me. That's yeah. it. It's okay. Um, but yeah, there, there are so many things that you can do and you can even create your own, uh, what's called homebrew. So you create absolutely everything. You create the world, you create the characters, you create um, the towns and the cities. Everything that you create happens in your world, and then you get to decide what happens. Fair play. And the Critical Role have definitely made um, a name for themselves, and they've been able to make money from it. Also a side fact that every single one of the players, including Matthew Mercer, are voice actors. Fair play. So you can, so you've got, so when you listen to it, you've got that added, um... You've got that added... Immersion. Yeah. The, you're entering the world. It's a bit like uh, someone trying to say, you unlock this door with a key of imagination, into the twilight zone you go, into this world of, yeah. you know, yeah. get, just basically block out all what's happening around you and dive into this world of fantasy, this yeah. world of... Wizards and orcs and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, you will be surprised how many people actually like to listen to um, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. It, because it is it is fun and it, it's fun for everybody involved. And especially if you are an actor, you get to have yeah you get to have creative freedom with any character that you're handed. But with this, it's very personal to you very very personal to you and i didn't realize how heartbreaking it was to lose a character when i lost uh, galaxon which is which was my tiefling um before aaron the moment i lost her 
I was very close to crying. <laughs> as, as, as dumb as that sounds out loud, I'd been playing her for... Months. Months. For about yeah. five, four to five hours every Sunday night. But that's, that's the beauty, though, of Dungeons & Dragons, because you've got... It, it, it's like, in a way, that with... Not just only with Dungeons & Dragons, this is any TV show. When you, mm. when you relate to a character and then that character dies, you will feel that emotion, you will feel that sadness. Yeah. It's just what it is. It, that's the, the beauty of TV, theatre and film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in a, in a, in a sense, mm. to finish off the podcast... Dungeons and Dragons is for everyone who literally wants to have that will build in that creative control and that beautiness of what would you say the beautiness of the beautiness of well theater yeah story um, writing writing a story story creating and it just a beautiful um, complex mix of imagination and creative ability from all parties and I would genuinely love to go to a theatre and just watch a Dungeons & Dragons session like, like, a, like a one shot or something um, where you get to even because sometimes you sometimes it doesn't matter if you're sat around a, um, a, a table mm. with character sheets and whatnot but it would also be quite nice just to have them stand up and kind of perform their stuff yeah. and then and then roll the dice, watch them get a natural one, and then just see how they mess up. You know, if they if they go to swing a sword. Dungeons and Dragons watch, goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, watching them sling their sword into the audience or, yeah. or something like that. I would I would pay mega bucks to go and watch that. Yeah. Are you looking for the perfect bracelet for a loved one? Would your man be interested in a personalised keyring from his children? Are you looking for the best priced jewellery whether it be a necklace, ring, earrings, bangle or even more? Look no further than Crafted Arts. Crafted Arts is a local business based in Barry within the Vale of Morgan and they have a range of all the perfect items you need. If it's for the perfect gift for an anniversary or maybe it's for someone's birthday maybe something for Christmas, or you wanted to give someone that perfect gift that will last a long time, Crafted Arts is the business for you. If you want to know more or see what they have in stock, then you can visit them locally at 29 High Street, Barry, Villa Morgan, CF627EB, or you can go onto their website at www.craftedarts.co.uk. You can even email them at info at craftedarts.co.uk, or maybe just give them a call at Oh, double seven eight nine nine four two four eight. Trust me, it's worth it for the perfect gift. The best thing about Creative Space is that we don't just want to encourage people in being creative in TV, film or even theatre. We also want you to be creative in a variety of other things as well. So do you want to have experience in making jewellery? Do you want to pick up a hobby but do not know what to take or where to start? Then look no further than the Veil Jewellery Workshops. Veil Jewellery Workshops provides the best experience in teaching you how to make the best sterling silver jewellery. They will help you make a range of silverware including rings, 
bracelets and many more pieces. You will learn the basic silversmith skills such as soldering, texturing, shaping and lots more. Not only do the workshops provide the experience for adults, it also provides the best experience and fun for children as well. So if you want to learn on how to make sterling silver jewelry and if you're very interested, go onto their website at www.veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or get in touch with them via email at info at veildewelryworkshops.co.uk or even phone them at 07789794248.